everybody, and welcome to the third episode of the UVRR podcast with Lindy Brock and myself, Danielle Gruden. Um, we're really excited because this is the third episode, um, and so, yay! Thanks for tuning in and listening. Thanks for all the notes, texts, emails, um, kind thoughts our way. We really loved um, this journey and putting together this podcast, and the interviews so far and we absolutely are continuing so do stay tuned we will be um interviewing makers lady bosses people that have amazing stories to tell so do stay tuned as we continue to share some pretty incredible stories with you all um for today uh, to provide some context we have been discussing infertility in the last two episodes with the lovely mrs desiree garcia and today we are going to jump on to the next part of her journey, which is adoption. She'll be discussing the highs, the lows, the struggles, and ultimately how a beautiful young lady, Hadley Hope, came to be. Um, so with that, we'll get started. struggle with PCOS and infertility in the last episodes um so this one we wanted to focus on kind of not necessarily the last part of your journey because I'm sure your journey will continue but you're kind of (laughs) as Taylor Swift says out of the woods Mm -hmm. um yeah Yeah. (laughs) um, uh and you've kind of you you've crossed over into adoption and so do you kind of want to tell us what brought you to this path and why you decided adoption rather than other alternatives yeah so um i don't know if you guys or if listeners know that much about like ivf or surrogacy or the other routes that you can go to be a parent when you're having fertility struggles um i really just wanted to be a mom And after so many years of struggle, we felt that we weren't equipped to go through any other avenues, Mm -hmm. like, you know, any, any more hormones or any more stress on us and, and the emotional effects of having something not be successful. So we wanted to go a route that gave us more of a 100% chance of being parents. Right. And my husband was actually really firm one year into our fertility struggle where he was like, threw his arms up, and he's like, I'm done, I'm over it, I'm ready to adopt. And I was like, whoa, 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 like, because when you're, when you're struggling with getting pregnant, having somebody say, you should just adopt, like, infertile people take that, that's like really offensive to somebody who is in the fertility struggle, because you're, you're basically like telling them like, you should just give up now or like, you're not worthy of being pregnant. Like that, it sounds silly, but that's how somebody takes it. Right. So it, it, it took a, it took years for me to come around, not because I didn't think that uh, adoption was for me, but because it was hard to admit that I needed to let go of trying to be pregnant. Right. But you know, in the end, in the end, it just it just felt right. It was it was time to time to stop, and it was time to really like put the brakes on the struggle and back up and say like, what am I going for? What am I doing this for? And yeah. I was doing it to be a mother. And 
doing it to be pregnant personally I'm not judging anybody else's journey but doing it to be pregnant seemed like that was the wrong reason right right emotionally was it a pretty easy thing to come to come to or did you kind of go through an additional roller coaster during this decision were you kind of wavering back and forth did you I didn't I didn't ever really waver back and forth I think I mentioned in part two that you know that the cost is pretty extreme and and so for me having you know a brain that is thinking about numbers too (laughs) I I had to like put a a date on it an end date of of this of trying to get pregnant where I had to you know we sat back in May and said let's research everything our agencies and do all of that and if nothing's happened by September 1st like it's it's done we're we're, we're officially done with it did you consider any other options for um for having a kid such as like surrogacy or just maybe not having kids in general or anything like that you know, the, the not having kids thing, um, I mean, we, we could definitely see the awesome part of that, too, because, you know, we were dual income, no kids, yeah. and we get to travel the world, and, I mean, we're not, like, rolling deep in the money or anything, but we're definitely, like, we never had to struggle, ever. Right. And we had amazing lives, and, and we have a lot of our friends, you know, are in their 30s and don't have kids, only, you know, one of the couples that we're extremely close with has kids so we definitely saw like shoot like we could have you know a really good life yeah but we had talked about numerous times over the years of the struggle I'd say to Joel like what if we never had kids and he was just like I I could see the awesome part of that but I want I really want kids and I was just like me too we just we just really wanted it um is an interesting one I feel like a lot of people don't know what goes into surrogacy. So surrogacy is IVF with, you know, your egg, his sperm in another human being who carries your baby. And that involves lawyers, contracts, I mean, uh, agencies. So there's a lot. I mean, it oftentimes is not like your sister being like, I'll carry your baby. Right. That, that's really, that, that's really the people like think like oh yeah that's what it is and oh I would carry your baby for you but when it comes down to it you know whoever really does that you have to be a pretty you know special person and a person who's just willing to throw all of your needs into the wind to be able to carry someone else's baby out of the goodness of your heart and you know surrogacy right now in America really if you go about it you know the the traditional way of going through an agency with lawyers and contracts and everything else, it runs around a hundred thousand dollars. Oh my goodness. I don't think I knew it was that expensive. Yeah. It's really, it's incredibly expensive. My husband is a really natural guy, super laid back to him when you would mention all of these things. And he was just like, that feels really Star Trek to me like that, you know, for him personally, (laughs) he was just like, I feel like that's like trying really hard to pass on my own biology when I'm not that attached to that idea. Yeah. Right. That's such a great way to put it too. So And it's completely personal. I don't want to judge anyone's journey because, you know, women take things really personally when they've, you know, gone a certain route and then somebody else is knocking it. That's just our personal opinion. So 
decided as a unit, you and Joel, that adoption was the the option for you. What was next? How did you how did you save? How did you prep? How did you research? Yeah. What were your parameters uh, for selecting parents? What was most important to you during this process? Um, from start to finish, what did you have to think about? What was included? And how did so you go about it? There, there's a lot of research, and I'm, I feel really lucky. I feel like a lot of people were placed in my life over you know, the last seven years where I have um, one of my favorite humans has three adopted children. Okay. And she, I, I've met these kids over the years, and they're absolutely amazing. She has two biological um, daughters that are in college, and one just graduated high school. And then she has three adopted children that are, you know, I think the, the twins are nine, and then the little brother is eight. But I, I kind of got to watch them grow up, and I got to watch the connection that their family had. And I always thought it was just such a beautiful family, and she's always full of so much information. And so when we first went through the beginning of the fertility struggle, I really had her on my side. So she was almost like this, I don't know, adoption angel in my life. And then it was weird how I just had numerous people throughout my past, you know, through social media that I could see had adopted. And so when we thought that this might be the way that we wanted to go, I just really, I reached out and I, I had to apologize when I, when I did it because I had to ask like maybe inappropriate questions. So I had to say, you know, feel free not to tell me, but, you know, how much did this cost? Right. And who did, you, who did you go through and why did you decide to do it that way instead of this way? And it was hard to get people, I would read these blogs and stuff, and it was hard to get people to talk about their agency or really? to talk about what they, yeah. I mean, I, I looked for, you know, days and days and days trying to make the list of the agencies that I could see on blogs or, you know, listen to podcasts or whatever. And Nobody was talking about their agency, which I feel like is an extremely important part of the adoption process. Yeah. Extremely important part. And if you didn't use an agency, why didn't you use an agency? And no one was really talking about that. But I did have some people that just really just opened up and told me everything. You know, if they did it independently, how they went about that, and really the struggles maybe of doing it independently, even though you could save some money. So we, we really just researched just our butts off just to try to figure out, you know, what was the best, what was the best route? You know, we had no idea how we were going to afford it. And we actually did end up getting an adoption loan through a credit agency. Um, but I didn't we, even know that felt, was a thing. I know, I didn't either. It is, yeah, I didn't either, but it totally is. <laughs> I mean, there's not a lot of collateral when you're getting an adoption loan. They can't come repossess your baby. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, that's a good thing. <laughs> It's a little more difficult. They have to, um, they have to have a ton of information from you. You have to write a lot of letters. Um, actually, the adoption uh, loan that we got was through a, actually a Christian credit agency. Okay. So they really like have a heart for adoption, and right. we really had to write, you know, our mission statement and and do all of that. But in the end, Joel and I had to sit down and talk about insurance, and not just like an agency had insurance for just in case there was a disruption. Mm-hmm, but right. an agency also had more emotional insurance right. just for where we were and how raw and devastated we had been throughout the years. We didn't feel like we were equipped to handle, you know, 12 women to come in and out of our lives over a year. Right. So we, we, yeah. chose, we chose our agency because we, we knew that when a birth mother would call them and say, 
you know, I decide on Joel and Desiree that our agency is going to just love on that woman and make sure that that is really what she wants before they're going to call us. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that was just, just so valuable. talk to your agency and you are finding out how much this is going to cost I would assume at this point and I would assume that you're kind of getting these and unless I'm wrong but I would assume that you're kind of getting these oh shits I have I had no idea yeah so how did you deal yeah. with that and how did you and Joel save prep move forward to meet I mean to we definitely had to we had to write out our budget and uh and honestly, when we, we went into this thinking, you know, in our heads, this is, you know, going to be about $10,000 is what we were thinking, which was, you know, a ton of money. And we, so that, that was what was in my head. And then as I researched more and more agencies, um, I found out that that is not nearly the cost. <laughs> that's not, that's not nearly the cost. That doesn't even cover, cover half of a good agency's fee. Oh my gosh. So... And that's just an agency fee. That doesn't count, you know, the state fee and whatever state you're adopting in and, you know, the lawyers, that's all separate. Tell us about those struggles, how, like, how you had to change your lifestyle, the things that kind of you had to work out as a team, as a couple, um, how you made it work and the struggles that you continued to face during that process. There are these silly little things that you get to do, you know, when you're dual income with no babies. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like... And, and I'm, I'm a hairdresser, and I have to be really fashionable, and that's just part of my job. Uh, I always have my nails done. This I don't is, have, like, you know, big old long nails. This is true. You are always put together. <laughs> I'm very put together, and so I always, not just, like, my nails are painted, but they're always, like, painted with, like, intricate nail art. This is true. Everybody's always commenting on, oh, my gosh, your fingernails are amazing. That looks so great. Like, wow, I've never <laughs> seen that before. So I had to cut that out. So right there, you know, those $100 a month that was, you know, I had to cut that out. Um, I, I cut out I cut out a lot of things. I cut out, I couldn't go shopping anymore, so it really made me go through my closet and actually got, like, really kind of crafty shirts I didn't really wear very much anymore. I kind of made into, you know, cardigans and yeah I, I mean I, I did a lot of things I you know would take you know all these designer jeans that I didn't wear anymore and figure out like how can I adjust these to be in style now so I actually got pretty thrifty and crafty and oh that's cool my husband my husband gave up a lot of things he he loves jujitsu and he loves fitness and all that stuff and he a uh, hundred dollars a month is what he spent on his jujitsu gym and so he stopped doing that and I thought that that was such an amazing sacrifice and we you know canceled our gym memberships to the expensive gym and now you know we go to the one that's you know f- four blocks away and 10 bucks a month <laughs> it, it, it doesn't it doesn't have anything the other gym had but that's fine <laughs> we, we really we really just had to to just cut our lives down we you know drank less expensive coffee and no longer went to starbucks and we we really just tried to eat at home and not go out and that was a big thing too is you know realized how much money you spend on drinking wine with your friends <laughs> so <laughs> like holy holy cow you know go, going out with our buddies for 
appetizers and happy hour, you know, ends up being a couple hundred dollars a month if you really add everything up. Right. Or like, hey, I'm going to go get that $10 salad for lunch today. Yeah. But then I'd be like, no, I can't do that. So, you know, I had my meal prepped and had everything at work for the whole week. And I, I really just had to change all of my, all of my big things that I didn't think were like that big of a deal. For us, we realized that um, we weren't as great at saving money as we thought we were. And so it came, then we thought, you know, so what, what does this loan look like? What do they need from us? And then the, the agency said, you know, we have this fantastic credit agency that um, we're not really affiliated with, but that we refer to that they just have incredible integrity and they really, really love to help adoptive couples reach their dream. So we talked to the people at the credit agency and they, they seemed legit and kind and exactly what our agency said, that they had integrity. They really seemed to have all of those things. And then we thought, okay, you know, so what does that payment look like? And it was something, you know, we would definitely have to really change our lifestyle to make that kind of a payment, especially because I don't ever make a minimum payment on anything. I always, you know, almost double it. So we had to to look at that and say, you know, if we doubled that, then we have to live this lifestyle. There's no choice. There's no like, ooh, but we could this month just not quite put that much money away. Like there was not that option. So once once the money was going to come out of the bank account automatically on the 15th every month, you have to make sure that you're living that lifestyle. So that's the just personal route that we chose to go. also prepping to potentially soon meet um your birth the birth mother of your um future child um yeah so were there parameters that you and Joel kind of you thought about you agreed upon did you guys discuss parameters did you discuss like haves and have nots um yeah for sure for sure um a big thing with adoption is people assume that when you say, like, um, you know, I'm going to adopt a baby, they're like, oh, but what about drug use? And what about this? What <laughs> Wait, about what? That? I have never heard yeah. that. <laughs> that. That's a big thing yeah. that people, like, that's a number or one thing. Or I think say. another like, one that I've heard is, but do they have any mental illness history in their family or any cancer yes. history? Or they, they, they yes. want to, uh, th- there's a lot of, you? there's a lot of different parameters that people kind of, for sure you can be as specific as you want to be wow you can say they they send you a paper and it's you know your your uh confidential adoption adoption questionnaire they call it and you get to go down this paper and check no on every box you want to check no on and you can check we'll discuss on every box that you'll discuss and you'll you can check yes if you don't feel like it's that big of a deal how long does it and take I mean, you to fill that out? I mean, is it like a weekend thing? Is it like an hour? Joel and I, Joel, because of his, you know, medical experience, there are a lot of things that some people think are a big deal. And to Joel, he's like, that's actually not that big of a deal. Um, or, you know, we had to discuss too, you know, what's in our own family? 
Right. What? What are you what bringing? The, you know, we, <laughs> what kind of crazy actually, are you bringing? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Right. We both of us have you know different things in our medical history. You know, some different you know emotional, um, mental things in our in our family history. Cancer, different thing. You know, Alzheimer's stuff like that. Where we were looking at us saying, you know, like if we're not perfect either. If this yeah. would have been you know a biological baby, there's a huge chance that you know he or she would have had a host of issues from our biology. Right. So we, we had to look at the list and think, you know, obviously for us personally, uh, meth use, uh, crack use, stuff like that was, was a deal. It was a big deal for us. We were like, yeah, you know, I, I don't know if we're equipped to handle the developmental things that might come later, knowing that, you know, uh, the mother had done these things. Right. So, you know, little things like that we felt like were pretty easy to check no on. Initially you were open to different ethnicities and um, yeah. different um, all sorts. You were just kind of like, I just want an amazing, beautiful, healthy child, and that's what matters. That, that's really all that, all that mattered to us. And so because of that, um, we actually left the Caucasian, comma, Caucasian box empty. Uh, we, we were like, nah, no, it's all good with us. Like a lot of people want the, you know, the quote-unquote perfect little Caucasian Caucasian baby but we uh we we were like no that's not that's actually like not not what we want so we uh we we checked no on that box and we actually um checked yes the African-American and the African-American slash biracial box so those were actually really the only boxes that we checked um which we thought you know go go all in go all in you know (laughs) right which I think just, I mean, and we've kind of talked about this uh, on a separate note, like um, the potential struggles that you may experience living in a hyper-conservative state and having um, a biracial child. A conspicuous adoption situation. Right. And right. we were like, yeah. you know what, I just, I want to love this baby and I just, this is what I want and I don't care what comes with it. But, right. So, I don't know, I just, I thought that that was, I think that's really awesome. Which is uh, which was something that I think was like whoa to a lot of people. <laughs> well, I think it's interesting because you've been through all these struggles and you 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 went into this knowing you you probably are gonna because of where you live. <clears throat> you're if you if you do check yes here, you're gonna continue yes. to go to, through some struggles. Yeah, and oh, you're for like sure, for you're sure. just kind of like, yep, okay, let's do this. <laughs> run into any difficulties along this this path that you had chosen we did have we did have a false lead um that was in but only one which i think is pretty fantastic we were actually chosen the day our website went live us picked us actually that day she was at the library she's at the library wherever she lived and she she chose us the second we went up when we didn't actually fall um she didn't actually fall into our criteria of what we could offer a birth mother, um, but she was pretty adamant about us. So the agency spent two weeks really talking to her about that, and they were really honest about that with her. And she still really wanted us, so they called and said about 14 days later, you've been chosen, which was just crazy. She was only three months pregnant, so she was due in May, the end of May. 
and there was a long time that we needed to help her get on her feet. And we said yes, and that went on for a few days, and then um, poor girl, her, her life just really hit the skids over those next few days, and the agency had to call and say, you know, she is in a really, really dire situation, and, you know, he, here we are, and I hate for it to be a financial thing, but, but here we are so in financially, and then, um, and then that cost was almost going to double. Oh, my goodness, because you're essentially because, supporting her until she gives birth? Yeah, yeah, and that, that definitely, um, that's not always how it goes, but this poor girl, it wasn't that we were being used and abused, you know, it wasn't like that. She wasn't trying to use us. She literally did not have one person in the world she could call. Oh my gosh. And I think, I think being, you know, from these small little towns that we're from and, and the people that are in my life, nobody's really, we some of us have had a bad childhood, but none of us really know what a bad childhood is. We, we don't, we don't know what it's like to not have one person to call. That is insane. And to, to sleep on a street because you have no one to help you and you never have and you've been cast out on your own since 15 years old and I mean these are just you know this wasn't exactly her situation but th- those are just you know examples where things you can't even imagine in your nightmares right. that this poor girl had gone through and she was absolutely gorgeous and she was just so kind and, and so it was a few days later that we talked to our families and you know the moms were on board the moms were like we're going to drain our retirements and blah and the <laughs> like the dads were like, hit the brakes, hit the brakes. Your right. agency uh, has so many couples. You know, they have surgeons on the roster. They have fifth generation, you know, oil tycoons that are on the roster. I mean, you were seeing these people's houses on this agency's website. They right. were like castles. Right. You know, we have our little, you know, bungalow <laughs> in Boise, Idaho. You know? right. And, 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 you, and they, yeah, you, and our, our fathers were really the ones that were like, you know, you need to hold up here. Virginia Clouds of red spiral down through the drain Hole in my heart Hole in my heart Twist in the grass in the sheets Mixing blood, we were more real than real Hole in my heart So after you went through this experience, you then fell into the situation you are in now. Yes, yeah. It was hard. It was hard because going with a good agency, you don't hear very much because you're not going through the emotional, like, oh, you're picked. Oh, never mind. You're not. Oh, you're picked. Oh, never mind. You're not. So right. They, like, facilitate it, a lot it of that. Felt, it almost felt kind of like torture. Right. After that. It was, that was mid-November, and we did not get another call until March 10th. March 10th came around, and we got the call, and um, our birth mother was due in 10 days. Oh, my God. Um, and she went to labor a few days early, and so we had about six days' notice by the time we had our little girl in our arms. So I curse my star for a fake while you nurse my scars in the old flame. I'm a fool for you, I'm a fool for I'm a fool for you, I'm a fool for I'm a fool for you. Have an adoptive child. You have your dream has come true. You have Hadley Hope. It really has. That is so crazy. You had a whirlwind of an adventure. You you flew to Florida. Had to abide by the Florida law um, adoption laws. Um, you were there for quite some time. Experienced Florida at its finest. Um, <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> but you. At its finest. 
after everything you've been through, you you have exactly what you've always wanted. I do. I definitely do. She's uh, like I could not have. Joel and I talk all the time. Like we could not have personally engineered a more amazing baby. She just. She's so gorgeous. She's she so was really gorgeous. meant to be, and I really feel like you know her her birth mother was just the most amazing person in her whole family. Just, Ugh. I can't even like put into words how phenomenal they all were. And I really feel like we were meant to meet them. I mean, meeting them immediately felt like we had inherited a whole other family that we were supposed to know. Like we were supposed to know them and it all just really seemed to like come full circle and make sense. Right. Like, you know, this little, this little soul was, was meant to be in our lives. And we, we went about it the way that we were meant to go about it. And she's just absolutely amazing. What has been the best part about your entire journey and um, adoption? I think the best part, um, it's just, it's, it's a spiritual experience, with it, which I'm sure people of biological children would say this as well. But, but there's something I think that's different about somebody holding a baby in their body for nine months and giving birth to it and you know, naturally I might add, (laughs) no epidural, no anything. She's a freaking warrior. And then to, with a smile on their face, hand you the baby. And the room is full of her whole family and everybody is smiling and laughing and telling jokes. And you could tell they're all so close and have the most amazing relationships. And, and you're just sitting there like, like soaking up all of their awesomeness and like, there's this baby that's their genetics that they know she deserves a situation with full one-on-one attention. And so therefore they are placing her into your arms. It was, it was incredibly surreal. And I think that that's the most beautiful part of the whole thing is the, the spirit of adoption. The spirit of adoption is you almost just can't even describe it. How incredibly beautiful the entire process is. I think the the hardest part, I, I had read a few blog posts. Sorry, I have really bad allergies right now. I keep sniffing. Um, yeah. I'd read a few blog posts throughout this process of, you know, starting the adoption process. And one of the blog posts, the woman had said that there's nothing that describes the pain that you feel when the baby is officially in your arms and the paper is signed, even though it's it's beautiful and so amazing, but it's like a deep, deep, deep to your core pain when you see the birth mother turn around and walk away like it I don't know it's like it's like as a mom like suddenly you could feel that and you could feel what that took Mm -hmm. and I just was like oh my gosh I felt like you know I suddenly just came out of an earthquake or something suddenly the room is silent Mm -hmm. and Joel had gone to get the car I don't think he realized the official switch was happening so soon and he goes to get the car. That's like such a guy thing. Such a guy thing. And I'm in the room alone. I'm in the room alone watching her birth mom walk down the hallway, watching her back just slowly disappear and like looking down at our baby like, oh my God, like this is, this is the craziest thing. And like just feeling, feeling probably like her pain too. I'm like absorbing it of her, like, you know, walking down the hallway and, and it's, it's, I don't know, it's it's hard to describe, but that I think that was the hardest part.
hard as the paperwork is and, and everything else and waiting for the phone call has been, it is, she just can't even compare how positive this whole journey was as compared to the years of struggle. And I, I feel so lucky too that I knew myself well enough to know when enough was enough. Intense, intense, like monumental struggle. And you come to this point where your happiness is off the charts. Yeah. Because you went through hellfire. And now yeah. here you are holding this blessing. And th- that's exactly, that's exactly right. I, you know, I'll be like up at three in the morning and I'm almost like crying because I'm so tired. But I just, I feel so lucky. If you could say one thing to oh, the collective whole of people that are thinking about adopting are going through the process what would you say to them I would say do it do it it's just the single most amazing experience of our lives and I know oh, I Joel that. would Joel would completely agree and just we're so happy we're we're glad that we you know we had the strength to let go of the last journey and move on and it's been just so beautiful just I just urge everybody to to really explore their options and decide what you honestly feel is best for you. And if you ever have even one second of you that thinks that you cannot bond with a child that doesn't look like you, like, you have no idea. Like, it's, you, you can. You most definitely can. Thank you so much for listening today as we complete our series with Desiree Garcia on infertility and adoption. Um, We really hope that this was super insightful for you, that you were able, for those of you that are going through something similar or are contemplating something similar, we really hope that this was insightful for you, um, helped you gain a new perspective. Um, If you do have additional questions, concerns, anything you want to ask Desiree or ourselves here at Urban Vibes Real Roots, feel free to reach out at hello at urbanvibesrealroots.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you are interested in being featured on the podcast, also feel free to reach out. If you have a story to tell, we'd love to hear from you. Um, In the meantime, do check us out on the website. Follow us on Instagram. Like us on Facebook. Pin us on Pinterest. Um... And uh, we will be streaming in your headphones in two weeks, talking with an amazing maker um, based out of New York and her struggle with um, opening up her own business, setting up shop, and um, really going out on her own and fighting through her fears. So do stay tuned for that, um, and we will talk with you soon. Bye.